to PCA One-on-One, Positive Coaching Alliance's podcast series where we talk with leading experts about how to develop better athletes, better people through sports. And now here's your host, Jim Thompson, PCA founder and CEO. I'm very excited today to talk to Bill Damon, um, uh, who is a professor of education at Stanford University and director of the Stanford Center on Adolescence. His research, teaching, and publications focus on moral development ed- and education, and he's been a key figure in the growth of positive psychology. He's written 18 books, including Greater Expectations, uh, Handbook of Child Psychology, and many others. He's worked with um, Howard Gardner and Mahai Csikszentmihalyi, uh, all three of whom are members of PCA's National Advisory Board, to create the Good Work Project, which researches and promotes individuals and organizations that demonstrate work that is meaningful, of high quality, and social, socially responsible. Um, Bill's most recent book is The Path to Purpose, How Young People Find Their Calling in Life, and it really is a fantastic book. I'm excited to talk with you today, Bill, about how youth sports can be a vehicle for helping youth find their purpose. But first of all, let me thank you for your support over many years for Positive Coaching Alliance. Well, thanks, Jim. I'm a big fan of PCA, and uh, I've actually seen it grow from the start, and it's just a delight to see how far its reach has spread at this point, and uh, everything I've ever seen about it is just inspiring and uh, and just uh, exciting. So congratulations on getting that up, going, and thriving. You really uh, were involved right from the beginning, weren't you, Bill? (laughs) Remember, I, I, seem, uh, I seem to remember you, yeah, we, we started our center on adolescence at Stanford in a, in a little trailer uh, before they could figure out whether we would last very long, and I seem to remember you were sort of right there with us when PCA right, was a little yeah. infant, too. Yeah, yeah. So let me, um, like I said, I, the, the Path to Purpose, uh, this book is is really, it's, it's mind-blowing to me, literally. Um You've, you've done a lot of amazing research on the importance of purpose in a person's life. Why is having a sense of purpose so important? Well, it's a long-term, long-range, far-horizon perspective on your life. And it stabilizes your life if you actually can find something that you can commit to and it's meaningful to you and that you can dedicate yourself to. It gives you a lot of energy. Motivation uh, is huge. And not just the kind of motivation that uh, you have when you get excited about, let's say, say winning one uh, sports game or something like that or getting a good grade on a test. It's more of a long-term motivation that doesn't really get rattled by ups and downs or failures or successes because you're dedicated and you keep going. So it's a great stabilizing force. It gives you a lot of resilience uh, against all the bumps that you encounter in life and uh, all the things that come with energy. And and actually, uh, the studies of gerontology these days, uh, as people age, shows that purpose is related to health and uh, is a protector against morbidity and mortality and and all of those um, declining problems of age. Uh, Purpose kind of keeps you going. 
I, I'm more interested in that now than I was 20 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> you bet. Uh, um, you write that only about 20% of high school students feel they have a sense of purpose. Can someone be a high achiever without a purpose? And if so, why does it matter? Yeah, well, first of all, let me clarify the 20% figure. Uh, it, the 20% are young people who have a full, uh, really well-developed sense of purpose. Uh, about another, I don't know, 60 or so percent are on their way. They have something. They have some components of purpose. So it's only about 20 or 25% of the population that we see no purpose in it all. We see no sense of direction. They're drifting. And those kids we are worried about. But uh, 75, 80% of the population is either there or hopefully moving towards there. And um, I think that uh, the, the thing to keep in mind is that these days, it does take a while to sort things out because yeah. life is pretty complicated for young people, and um, there are a lot of choices to be made. So it's not it, it, it it's nothing to really worry about if uh, a young person hasn't fully committed to a sense of direction, as long as they're moving, as long as they're moving forward and moving in in the right direction and learning, learning from uh, their experience. You talk about schools that focus mostly on test scores. They miss the, and I'll quote you here, the all-important question of the purpose of learning. Um, I see a parallel in sports where, where there's an obsession with winning. Um, and I think often it's just assumed that, you know, the purpose of sports is to win. And um, there isn't much uh, much thought to how there, – there's, there's, there's talk – you know, there's words like, oh, sports builds character. But I, uh, unfortunately, too often, I think um, sports is parallel to schools that focus on test scores and miss the, the purpose of learning. Any thoughts about that? Yeah, well, I think you're, you're right. Uh, of course, the way to counteract that is to try to get people to think about why they're doing it. The, the why question is the, is the big deal in education and anything to do with youth development. And I think if you really could pull that parent aside, the parent, you know, the, or the coach, that uh, you know, these are the stereotype people that uh, just all they want to do is um, uh, is beat uh, where, beat wherever, you know, beat beat Princeton or beat uh, Los Altos High. Or, uh, but if you pull them aside and you say, why do you really want your kids to be doing this? What, what do you think? Why is this important uh, for them? I think that if they had that moment of reflection, they would realize that sports is actually about building, about development, developing physically. It's a, it's a healthy activity that builds your body. Uh, developing socially, especially team sports. Uh, developing character, developing a sense of sportsmanship and uh, fair play and diligence and good habits. This is why we want young people to get engaged in sports, as, because it's what it does for them and how it builds a good life for them. And it really is not because uh, you can rack up a good score against your competing high school. And I think that any uh, teacher or parent or coach with any sense at all would, would see that if they just think about it for a moment. 
But what happens, and this is the same thing with your analogy with schools and tests and all of that, what happens is the ego gets in the way, you know, and you, you kind of uh, momentarily forget uh, the real benefits and the reasons, the deeper reasons why you do things. Uh, same thing when you really, all you want to see is your kid get good grades in high school so he or she can get into Stanford, let's say. Well, you know, getting into Stanford, and I'm at Stanford and I love the place, but I can tell you it's not the answer to life. It's, uh, it's not even the best place for a lot of students. The best place is the place that matches their interests and talents and so on. So people have to get past these ego-building status things, uh, winning at all costs, uh, getting into the most prestigious place, and think about the reason that we are doing these things and what is the benefit for young people. And I think if people can reflect on that, almost anybody with any common sense would come up with the deeper answers. You know, it seems to me that um, the, the antidote to that is coaches who have a purpose. That if, right. if coaches have a, a bigger purpose um, than just winning, I mean, winning is, I don't care how good you are, um, you're going to lose and you're going to lose sometimes. You think about the Warriors last year. They were up 3-1 in the finals. They end up losing. And I was really struck by how um, the way that Steve Kerr, the coach, took it. I mean, he took it. Sure, it hurt, but it wasn't like my life is a failure now. And so part of what we've done with Positive Coach Minds is really try to promote this identity of being a double goal coach. First goal is winning. Second, more important goal is to use sports to teach life lessons. And just thinking about your saying about you've got to get past the ego, the ego gets in the way. Uh, it seems to me if we could, uh, the extent to which we can convince coaches to adopt this identity of a double goal coach, a developer of people, that that can help them weather those um, those ego storms when you lose. Yeah, and I, and Jim, I like the, the double uh, goal idea because it gets to something that I always try to emphasize too in my writings, which is that people have mixed motives in life, and, and they ought to. Uh, I mean, we all have, in our, in our work on moral development, uh, we, everybody that we look at who is a highly moral exemplar of a person also cares about their own self-interest. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, so, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with going out to try to win. I mean, that is part of sports, and your score is important, and the competition helps you hone your skills and your abilities, and you practice so you get better, and trying to beat the other team is, a, is an incentive to do that. So there's nothing wrong with that at all, and you don't have to trade that off. But what you do need to do is be able to integrate and combine and set some priorities. Uh, you certainly want to try to win, but you don't want to win if it means that you cheated to win, for example. Uh, and um, so you have certain priorities, but the idea that uh, that you can, you know, we're human beings, we can walk and chew gum at the same time, uh, we have mixed motives. We have two, we have double goals, and, and they can both be important. They don't need to be traded off. Yeah. You, in in um, the book, there's, there's there's a lot of I mean it's a, a theoretical philosophical book, but there's a lot of practical stuff in it too. Um, 
any any practical ideas for how coaches can help their players develop a sense of purpose? Maybe they're part of that 20, 25% who are just kind of, kind of drifting and they're on a team, or maybe they're part of that 60% who, you know, they, they're kind of on their way but um, need some help. Any thoughts about how coaches can can uh, help kids think about purpose and uh, sure. find uh, their own? Yeah, I, I mean, and, and sports, by the way, is a great context. I mean, they're, they're, you know, kids develop in a lot of different contexts, family and school and so on, but sports is a real, real good one for developing the capacity to be purposeful. And what coaches can do is, first of all, help the um, student or the player uh, think beyond the self uh, as part of the engagement with the sport. Uh, and team sports especially are... Um, are built for this uh, because, um, you know, in basketball, you know, the guy that just hogs the ball and dribbles down the court and tries to shoot every time he gets a hold of the ball will get a lot of feedback from other players and the coach and everybody else that, hey, you got to, you know, pass. it's about the team. It's not about you. Uh, and And there's a lot of opportunities to do that, to think beyond the self in terms of the team and then even beyond the team in terms of the community. Uh, I was asked once to give a talk um, to the NFL, uh, to the young, to the players there, who are young men, obviously. And the whole interaction was about how these people are heroes to their local community, the young people, and they have a responsibility to comport themselves in that way. And the players were very uh, open to that message. They liked thinking of themselves that way. But that's a way of thinking beyond the self, thinking that what I'm doing in my sports and, and my life has meaning and importance for other people. And I need to think about that. It's important for me to think about that. That's part of my engagement in sports. You know, you mentioned... Um, I mean, I, I noticed, uh, you mentioned the Warriors. I, I, I noticed how good they are about, I'm sure the last thing they feel like doing after games is sitting before a microphone and talking to news people. Uh, but uh, they probably just want to get to the locker and, and so on. But they do it. They're very responsible about that because, because the fans are listening. And so sports, in a lot of ways, from the team to the school that you represent to the community, uh, sports is not just all about you, and that's what purpose is about. Purpose is thinking beyond the self to something of greater meaning to, that is important and of consequence to the world beyond the self. Yeah, that, that's that's really uh, interesting. It seems like the step we, – we have a model we call the triple impact competitor, um, an athlete who elevates himself, elevates her teammates, elevates the game by the way he or she competes. And I, I like that. That's I think – thank you. Yeah, I want to talk to you a little bit more because I think it really – it may fit well within your framework. Um, but I think um, it's easier going from self – okay, I want to be the best I can be, to I want to elevate my teammates, this, the step of elevating the game. Um, I mean, we're, we're, all, we're all kind of tribal in one sense. We have tribal instincts. And so I'm on this team. I remember reading about a study once at a, 
a camp, a summer camp, where they had kids in different um, you know, bunk bunk houses, and they competed against each other. It got really nasty. So they shuffled the kids up and had them re- compete again, and it got nasty again. It was a, it was like <laughs> I belong to this bunk house. Yeah, and, well, okay, now I belong to that bunk house. This is the so, oldest so going phenomenon, from, right? This is yeah, social psychology from, in group, in group out group stuff. It's the oldest thing in the book. Yeah. Say a little bit more about in group out group. Well, that's uh, you know humans are are wired uh, for two contradictory things, and one is good and one is not so good. One is compassion and cooperation, and that's part of who we are as a species. But the other is to cluster around the, just the people who you identify with on whatever basis, family, uh, religion, you name it, you know, bunk, what bunk you're in, whether you, or whether you're on the red team or the gray team. And once you do that, uh, you immediately get hostile to the people on the other side, and that's part of our nature too. And so, you know, hopefully we socialize people, young people, to... Um, to contain that tendency, or at least to deal with it in a constructive way rather than a hostile way. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> well, and I could see how um, historically uh, that second clustering around your tribe uh, was probably really crucial to survival uh, in the early days of humans. Exactly. There's an evolutionary function there for sure, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so... Um, the, the this triple impact competitor uh, elevate self elevate teammates elevate the game were um, I, I think that's uh, a really precise definition but it's a little clunky <clears throat> so we're actually starting to talk about um, creating uh, helping kids become elevators and elevator not with an O R like a machine that goes up and down but a new word elevate er uh-huh. um, and um, I've, I've been really influenced by Jim March's. Um, I had I had Jim in a couple classes when I was at business school, and uh, his idea of there are um, how, if you get people to change, one way is to the consequence model, where you you know if you do what I want you to do, you get rewarded; otherwise, you get punished. Or trying to get people to change their identity. Uh, right. If I if I um, and I and I actually saw it myself, Bill, when I was starting uh, when I was at the business school. And I began to understand what it meant to be a social entrepreneur. And I thought, wow, I want to be a social entrepreneur. And I'll tell you, there were some really dark days when I was starting TCA. <laughs> it's like, um, wow, what did I get myself into here? But my drive to, be a, to, to fulfill this identity as a social entrepreneur kept me going. Uh-huh. And thinking yeah. about uh, the, the elevator, triple impact competitor, elevate self, elevate teammates, elevate game, as a, an identity that we can help kids um, expose them to that might give them some pr- sense of purpose. And I'm just curious. I'd love to hear whatever reaction you have to that, that idea. Yeah, well, it's interesting because it even fits into some of the language that we use in developmental science, uh, which is when we talk about moral development, we talk about a phenomenon called moral elevation. Uh, which is the sense that you are inspired, uh, and one of the, and I wonder if this is, I wonder if Jim if this played a role uh, in your identity issues in uh, social entrepreneurship. That uh, one of the findings that we have uh, with moral elevation as to what promotes it is uh, having some people or at least a person that 
you can identify with, who you admire, who you respect, who is an exemplar of what you're trying to achieve, or at least has yes. been there and has done that. And so this role model uh, for some exemplary characteristic that you yourself are aiming for, uh, d that produces this, uh, or it helps the development of this sense of moral elevation. Uh, and uh, and that's one of the um, recommendations that I make in the path to purpose uh, for how to encourage young people to find purpose. Uh, you cannot give a child a sense of purpose. You can't say this is your purpose in life. That does not work. You can't write the script of life for for your child, even if you're the parent, let alone a coach. But what you can do is be a model or, or point, point the kids to models that they will admire, and that will get them thinking along those lines. They'll do it in their own way, but, uh, but it will still move them forward to becoming purposeful. You know, uh, the, in the book you, you wrote, the paradox is, and this is kind of what you're just talking about now, the paradox is that purpose is both a deeply individual and an unavoidably social phenomenon. And it seems like adults who want to help kids identify their purpose have to kind of walk a tightrope of sorts. Yeah, uh, I mean, I I wouldn't put it in that scary a way. It doesn't have to be, you know, it's it's not quite that delicate. Thread, they have to thread a thread a needle. How's that? <laughs> okay, or or uh, or or you know, hit a ball into the fairway rather than into the rough or something, which is also right. not that easy. But um, uh, but yeah, that that's exactly right. Um, you can make a you can make a mistake in either direction. Uh, you know, you want. You, you want to provide guidance and options and support and encouragement for the youngster. And you, so you don't want to just sort of ignore the kid and let the kid wander off into the, into the world. But as I said before, you can't write the script of life. You can't say, you know, look, my, uh, I've been a, I've been a, a lawyer or uh, I've got this great law firm. Uh, you're going to someday uh, love law and come and take it over and stuff like that. That just doesn't work. Uh, the the kids will find their own their own way of doing things. But the idea of being purposeful, of having meaning in what you're doing, of having deep goals, of doing things that aren't just all about you, of being committed, of being diligent, of working hard, all of these things that are important in purpose, uh, you can certainly encourage young people to your your child your student your 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 player you can certainly find ways to encourage them to develop those characteristics and the best way to do that is to model them yourself yeah the you know the uh, the um encouraging kids to think about different things that excite them and Peter Benson, uh, who you write about in your book, uh, unfortunately died a few years ago. Just uh, you know, incredible work uh, that he did. But he wrote a book called um, Oh, I'm facing it. It's um, Sparks. Yeah, Sparks. Yes, um, that's right. And I, I often felt that just naming a book Sparks and the, <laughs> the subtitle of it uh, was a big contribution by Peter. Without you know, and the whole book was great too. But you know, 
in talking to kids about the idea that there's something out there that will spark you. And part of your journey is to, to look at different things and find out what really sparks you because when it does, then then you've got the staying power to, to make something really good happen. Yeah, that's exactly right. And uh, and what, what parents can do, and teachers too, uh, is watch out for what does spark each individual child and realize that it's going to be different uh, for each child uh, and respect that and then nurture that, then provide the support and the resources and the encouragement that the child needs to develop his or her own spark into a real purpose. That's, that's the role of adults. And you're right, the idea that every child, every child has the possibility, every child uh, has the possibility of sparking, of having a spark, and, and, uh, and it's our job to help, help the child move that along to something that, that helps the child, as you say, find a real identity and a sense of commitment and the future. You know, when, in, in thinking about, we've been working with this concept, well, we've been working for 20 years with the concept of the double goal coach and probably 10 years with the, the triple impact competitor, elevate yourself, elevate your teammates, elevate your game. <clears throat> um, but really have been focused a lot more on that elevator concept. And in, in reading your book, um, you know, I was, I was, we're, 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 you know, we're trying to build a movement to change the culture of your sports. And I was really interested that when I saw uh, the article in, I think it was KQED's MindShift email, um, that, uh, that, that, you know, stimulate this conversation we're having today. Uh, the article was, was written by uh, Linda Flanagan, who is a board member of PCA New York City. Oh, really? Um, huh. And when I, I when I reached out to her about her interview with you, she said, "Oh man, if I'd have known Bill was involved with PCA, I would have asked him about that." So we're we're really trying to build this um, this movement. We talk about thread count, you know, the higher the thread count in a, a sheet or a linen, the nicer quality it is, and that uh -huh. idea of thread count of of people reaching across. Um, so when I think about the elevator, I wonder if it it can fill a gap here. I don't know, and maybe gap's not the right word, but you you want kids to find things that spark them, that they're, they find their own purpose that's not just given to them. Mm -hmm. And uh, you want to help in that. The the triple impact competitor, the elevator, elevate yourself, elevate uh, the people around you, elevate our entire society, is can be applied to any profession. You oh, see where yeah. I'm going with that? And so Absolutely. if we can get coaches, yeah, go ahead. Well, yeah, uh, I mean, there's a lot of, I don't know where, exactly where you're going with it, but uh, there's a lot of places to go with it, including um, that, you know, the, it, it not only can apply, it applies to every profession and every young person that wants to take part in a particular profession can find a way to do it that accomplishes that kind of elevation. And I'll, I'll give you an example of that from that's pretty common uh, in our interviews uh, with uh, with adolescents, young adults who are looking for career ideas. 
and a lot of them love sports. Uh, and um, let's say, you know, they love basketball. You know, they, they're huge fans of Steph Curry and all that stuff, and they play. They may be on their high school team. And, um, you know, they're trying to think, gee, you know, I love this sport so much. Maybe I should try to really go for it and go into it. Now, you know, the young person could be, and I'm not taking any particular example here. I, would, I wouldn't want to violate confidentiality, but let's just say the young person uh, is a, quite a talented basketball player and, you know, good enough to start on the local high school team, but is, uh, I don't know, let's say five feet ten tall or something like that. Well, you know, realistically, you, you know, that that kid is not really going to have a shot at at having a uh, a paying career as a professional athlete. On the other hand, there are a lot of things that a young person like that can do in the sport of basketball, uh, ranging everything from coaching to going into marketing to going into communications about it, media. And that's the kind of guidance that we like to provide is to think of what, I mean, the idea of purpose is that you uh, you have, first of all, it has to mean something to you. You really have to believe in what you're doing. But the other thing is that it has, you have to have something to contribute that the world could actually make use of and that would be a match for your talents and skills. And so, you know, you're not at five ten. You're not going to be out there, you know, getting rebounds, but uh, in the pros. But um, but there's a ton of things that you can do that does match. And that you and if you believe in this sport, if you believe in in this profession, uh, you can, as in, to put it in your terms, Jim, you can find ways to elevate it to contribute to it uh, in your way. So it's that match again between the individual's interests talents and what the world needs in order to do something that is good for you and good for the world. Yeah, you know, it's like you have you have to have something to bring to the table and I was just thinking about we have so many great coaches involved with PCA and I was thinking about when Doc Rivers went to the Los Angeles Clippers and there was an issue around the the owner and you know potentially racism issues and and you know he he's the coach of the team but he became the leader of the team he stepped up and really i think really was an elevator in that situation he made a difference um and you know it was he's not he, i don't think i don't think doc rivers sees his role as just being a coach just winning games he's he's uh you know, he's much more yeah. than that yeah and and that's you know that's part of it too is is just being sensitive to uh to what's happening and and what need can you fill and you always you don't always need know what it's going to be till you're in there uh and there's a lot of different roles uh, that uh, um, that a person in, in in a sport needs to needs to play because because sports you know brings up all the emotions of human life and you never know is, is are there going to be issues with uh, there are going to be issues with fans, issues with all kinds of conflicts, you know, bad calls. How do you respond to that? There's a ton of stuff that really does call on somebody to have, uh, have, uh, first of all, a strong character, but also a, a willingness to serve and to to be to be helpful when in in ways in ways that come up uh, unexpectedly sometimes. 
know, there's a, a quote from your book, and I'm I'm trying to find it here. Uh, I will. Um, not coming. <laughs> um, you wrote. Um, oh, here it is. I've got it. I've got it here. Um, you wrote, without a younger generation dedicated to taking up the challenges of a world that needs a lot of repairing, it's hard to imagine how a decent future can be achieved. And, you know, I, what I see is, um, you know, lots of kids who are struggling to find their purpose in life, what, what sparks them and how what they can offer meets the needs of, of the world. And then we had a world that... Um, you know, we got some serious problems. John Gardner once said uh, we're faced with a series of um, great opportunities, brilliantly dis disguised as insoluble problems. Yeah, yeah, I love um, that quote. I know. It's, and and so it's just always, thinking about, yeah, it's always true. By the way, I mean, you know, we we have we have all kinds of serious problems today and the world always has and it does it relies it totally relies on every new generation to come in and, and add their two cents worth and hopefully you know move us in a better direction and and that's you know as as we get older as adults that that begins to be the, the main thing that we can do to help out is to prepare the young people to take on the challenge and and you know I'm feeling in a lot of ways that uh, that we need to let go a bit uh, because it is they're the they are the rising generation and it's going to be their world or it is their world uh, from now on so what can we do we can we can do a good job supporting them and encouraging them and and helping them develop the strength that they need. I I, I loved your that what you said earlier about moral elevation and, and inspiring people. Um, let me um, anything I should have asked you. I've got one more question I want to end on, but um, anything I should have asked you about that we haven't covered yet that you'd like to say? Um, I, I can't think of anything offhand. Uh, I mean, we've we've covered a lot of the issues. Uh, um, yeah, uh, no, I I can't I can't think of anything, Jim. That uh, you've done a very good job of uh, probing. So um, here, here's the question I want to end on. <clears throat> I, I went uh, at the back of your book. You uh, nicely uh, list the uh, the survey that you used in doing all your research with adolescents and. One of the questions you asked was, how do you want to be remembered when you look back on your life? And I think that's a great question to ask teenagers and 20-year-olds and 30-year-olds and 40-year-olds. Um, my question is, how do you want to be remembered? Um, well, I, it depends on, on who you would be asking. Uh, you know, like a lot of, like all of us, I have a lot of purposes uh, simultaneously. And I have a family purpose. In other words, I have children and grandchildren and uh, a wife, and I want them to remember me as, uh, well, I won't even fill in all the obvious words, you know, as, as, a, as, a, good, as a good parent, a good, a good husband, and so on, with all the things that, that means. Uh, and I have a social world, I have friendships, and so on. I think in my um, professional life, and that's my pub the public part of my life, 
Uh, I'd like to be remembered as somebody that uh, kind of went in there and, and discovered some truth, some truths, some some true things that might have been um, uh, might have been uh, on the fringes of, or, or a little bit uh, kind of a, a, in uncharted territory, on the fringes of what we kind of knew, uh, where, you know, in, our, in uncharted territory, you might have some rumors of something going on, or maybe you've flown over it and gotten a glimpse, but never really investigated it. And I think the idea of purpose was like that before I started doing my scientific work on it, doing research and interviewing people and looking at how it develops at all ages. People had written about it, of course, from a philosophical point of view, theology, and so on. But real exploration of what it looks like in human lives and what it takes to encourage it and develop it and promote it and what parents, teachers, and coaches can do and what people should do as they grow older. I think that's what I've contributed and my group has contributed. Uh, a lot of the credit goes to my students and associates. Uh, and I think I would like to be remembered as somebody that kind of uh, was uh, uh, bold enough or risk-averse enough to, to go into that uncharted territory where a lot of people said, oh, you can't really study this stuff. It's too beyond, the, it's too ethereal. And I actually did manage to bring it down to earth. And now there's, you know, thousands of studies of this, and it's part of the scientific landscape, the psychological landscape. There's a lot of people using it in schools, in clinical settings, and so on. So I, I, I feel good about that contribution. I think that was uh, a success that I feel proud of. Wow, that's lovely. That really is lovely. Um, going into uncharted territory and, and elevating a concept that uh, that seemed kind of on the edges and maybe a little, uh, you know, a little diaphanous, if that's the right word. <laughs> exactly. And I, I just exactly. I just have to say, I I feel like you've done that for me. Uh, oh, and, great. You know the the. Um, you know, we're, we're looking at a, a kind of a new direction for Positive Coaching Alliance, so this idea of helping kids uh, identify themselves as elevators um, and yep. uh, who, who can take on the challenge of, the uh, uh, challenge of, I love your term, we have a world that needs a lot of repairing. So, so Bill, I'm just really grateful to, for your work and your life and, uh, especially grateful for your uh, support of me and Positive Coaching Alliance. It's really meant a difference. Well, that's great. It's, 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 it's great to hear that, and I am grateful for your work, as, as all of us are, Jim. So it's uh, wonderful to talk to you. Thanks for joining us on this episode of PCA One-on-One. Be sure to visit PositiveCoach.org to download more podcasts.